This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Testing, 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 testing. You just say something. Yeah. Just hello, for... hello. Ian Taylor in the house. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> when I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. from the host. Oh, what a save. Absolutely outstanding to deny Sabitzer from Tom Heaton. He must have thought he'd scored, but Heaton had other ideas. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. It's time to break out the Shoot Magazine League ladders. The season is afoot. Joining me to discuss uh, what we thought about Aston Villa's squad building over these summer months, uh, Mr. Dan Rogers from the TheVillaUnderground.com. Hello. Welcome. And Mr. Chris Bird. Hello. Welcome. Have you got your league ladders ready? Ready to go. Did you have them, Rogers? Do you know what I'm talking about? I used to have the shoot annual. Does that count? And I suppose my memory would be that even like in the weeks building up to the to the new season, I, I used to look forward to going and fetch the pink, the pink paper. Oh, yeah, the old sports Argus. Oh, yeah, baby. That was my... Uh, that, that is my nothing, thing. nothing compared to the league ladders, which it would be the week or two weeks leading up. I think it was either match or shoot, maybe they both did it, where mm. you'd get... Uh, it'd come in like a plastic bag. Oh, and you'd have, uh, with a warning, not to give the bag to children. Exactly. <laughs> Which, of course, the first thing you did. <laughs> I think maybe you had to collect it. They, they would give you the four divisions and basically little tabs that you can put in, slot in, Ooh. and you can change them after every game. I mean, Ooh. it was fun when you bought it for the first time and you set them up and maybe you did your predictions, but then it was hard. And you start to, losing uh, it's one the of those, teams. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those Ikea. things. It's hard. You don't really keep up, keep up with it. Uh, like fantasy football saying, now. You know, exactly. Your interest mm. fades after the uh, the first few weeks. Sorry, how are you, gentlemen, anyway? Are you excited about this season ahead? I mean, somehow we're, we're back in the Premier League. I've got no idea how this happened because <laughs> this time last year, it was the, uh, the apocalypse was... Uh, <laughs> 
unfolding in front of our eyes and we were there speaking on this show in, in bewilderment that how, I don't even uh, think it was a year ago I was talking to a fellow Villa fan just, just today actually and uh, it was six months ago that we were probably sat on this podcast in the midst of I think was it two wins in 15 games it was about February yeah. thinking this is shit do we have to do this <laughs> going, podcast I'm really looking trying to talk up Luton Town and Rotherham next season yeah yeah I really fancy another year in the bre- did we fuck I can't believe cannot believe that we're going to be uh, back in the big time baby yeah and our next venture will be in some kind of space age stadium in North London but more of that later coming up on the show we will uh, discuss things like 80 million pound centre-backs that probably couldn't even get in the Villa team crisis clubs harmonicas and their role in football Uh, the Scott Hogan touch count is on hiatus we are uh, basically waiting for it to return from Africa after episode 79. I think somebody sent it surface mail, so uh, hopefully it will arrive in time to uh, send to wherever Scott Hogan turns up at the start of the season. Uh, we also have uh, Ian Taylor on the show, giving us a little insight into what he thinks about the uh, transfer window for Aston Villa and his expectations of the season ahead. And then in the main show, we're basically going to go through... Uh, we won't spend hours because we we bought so many players it would probably take about six hours just to go through them in detail so we'll go through them through the various departments of goalkeeper defense midfield strikers uh, see if there's any weaknesses or anything missing that we would quite fancy I mean we have assembled one hell of a unpredictable team Uh, I I don't think anybody has an idea I mean when I spoke to Ian Taylor he certainly uh, felt the same way that uh, let's see what happens because it it will be hard to second guess what is going to happen we will also uh, discuss our three reasons to hate Spurs. We're, we're looking for a, a, a segment to discuss uh, our teams that we're, we're going to play. We don't want to do the preview thing. I, I can't be asked. What about you? Can you be asked? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a unanimous decision. And uh, we'll also uh, have a look at our predictions uh, for where Villa will end up uh, who's going to win the title of the Premier League because now we're interested in the Premier League we now do have to watch match of the day again after a a three year uh, ban on it really and we'll also look at the relegation candidates which uh, still a lot of people out there laughing at us thinking we're just uh, splashing the cash and we're going to end up relegated but uh, we'll see what a relegation it will be though oh it'll It'll be be marvellous goodness (laughs) even by our standards (laughs) but we'll see who laughs uh, last at the end well we'll see who laughs last in about nine months time (laughs) before i uh, begin the show i just want to uh, dedicate this show number 80 to uh, a late uh, listener of the show mr fred pratt who uh, aged 80 unfortunately uh, his funeral was the day before uh, the wembley playoff final he passed away uh, aged 80 and uh, his son, Reverend Brian Ralph, got got in touch and basically told me that uh, he introduced uh, his father, Fred, to the podcast and uh, he really loved it. Also, the last book he ever read was uh, Ticket to the Moon by uh, Richard Sydenham, who he found out about through listening to my interview with him uh, on the podcast. Brian told me about his father and told me that the first game they went to was it was the old old Division 2 on the 11th of November 1972, a 0-0 draw against Blackpool. And as Brian says, he can still reel the names off. And the reason why he can still re, you know, reel the names off of you know, Coombs, Aitken, Gidman, Nick, Nickel, McDonald, Hamilton, Riuk, Evans, Graydon, Little. Lockhead was his dad put pictures of all those players above his bed and he had to name each of them every night before he went to sleep. 
That's amazing. He said, we took uh, my mother and sister to see Villa play West Brom once. We lost them at half time as they went for a walk. After the game, a couple of circuits around the ground, we eventually found them on the Villa team bus. Who were were misses. (laughs) (laughs) Mum had asked Brian Little if he played for the Villa. He asked them to wait with the boys until we showed up. Dad had a photo taken that day of Andy Gray and carried it with him for the rest of his life. Wow. Wow, That's wow, a good wow. story. Fred also started to grow a beard. At the start of one of our 70s promotion campaigns, we won the first game, so he refused to shave until we were promoted. Thankfully, we went up. He was the only solicitor in Gloucester who <laughs> resembled a member of ZZ Top. <laughs> I love stuff like this. All our thoughts, anyway, uh, from the podcast are with Fred's family. And on the day, which obviously was before the playoff final, they uh had the ceremony uh, in the chapel and apparently everybody dressed in claret and blue at the ceremony and as they left the chapel uh, it was to the tune of uh, we're going up cue music Right, and now it's time for three points. Number one, with Villa back in the Premier League again, crazy, ridiculous transfer fees become more relevant to us again. And Harry Maguire has been signed, is it 85 million? Can, can you have that? Can you confirm that? That is confirmed, I think, through the Telegraph. Yeah. I think it was 80 million, but we'll go with the 85 for argument's sake, uh, which is a record fee for a defender who... I don't think you would get in the Villa team because he's like old school, isn't he? He's an old fashioned defender. Gets his, he's very good. He gets cult- his head cultured, is he? Gets his head no. onto things. He wins, you know, stats, highest stats in terms of aerial wins and all that tenuous stuff. But he wouldn't get in the Villa team because you need to play the ball out the back. You, you know, you've got to be able to play. Am I missing something with McGrath and with transfers of that value? Where in my head is 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 it not? Was that eighty five million pounds worth of competition for his signature, or is that? Is that one club so desperate? And that's the confusing thing, isn't it? That across all of football, is he eighty-five million pounds worth of defender? No, I don't think that. Has there been a bidding war? I think it's just Leicester saying no, 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 yeah. no, no. And because Manchester United have got a, they've got a hole to plug there. I mean, is it Chris? Mm. Was Chris Smalling playing there? I mean, I, I haven't paid. Yeah, too much it was attention. Smalling in Jones, wasn't it? A lot of the season. I think they've had a, an injury as well. Lindelof, I think Bailey's out for. Yeah, and that has been a big Achilles heel, a, a big weakness. And obviously, I mean, you know, he's still mid twenties, so he's going to be around mm. uh, for a good few years. I mean, I always remember when Ben Teke just flattened Smalling, just bounced off him. Like, <laughs> that's what United needed. They needed somebody. Uh, a unit. Yeah, a unit they could bank on, or at least somebody like really good. But, you know, is he that good? Oh, 85 million for a player who hasn't even played in the Champions League yet. Wow. 
Yeah, he makes uh, Ming suddenly uh, seem at a quarter of the price, uh, seem like a bit of a bargain. <laughs> Football's great. What astute business from Villa. <laughs> In the bargain basement as ever. <laughs> Christ. We will see. Uh, he wants to do point number two. So point number two, uh, Bolton Wanderers. This is a bizarre thing and you start to see lots of uh, things creeping out on social media and there's been a lot of anger, I think, across football around how the collapse of Bolton and, and one of these teams that's gone stretched and gone far beyond its means. It's, it's sort of similar to Coventry, really, that woke up one morning and they discovered they didn't own any of their own assets anymore and it's led to them arriving into the new season with, with just three senior outfield players. Um, they've been in administration, they'll start the season with is it a minus 12 points deduction and it's a club that since it got relegated from the Premier League has been in financial turmoil really to the extent where you know they they have a genuine risk of being being wound up. The fans are still backing them aren't they they're they're turning it. They are in great in in good good numbers I mean Bolton I mean for, for my money have never been hugely well supported but I think there's a, there's a large cohort of of uh, what you call ardent fans I suppose who have been very vocal you know not just visibly but also online around the right things really that it's it's around you know the, the dreadful running of some of these football clubs and the ra- rather dubious financial arrangements that uh, when when new owners or ownerships come in from the side you, you wonder how they pass these fit and proper tests yeah and I mean this is uh, the new genre of club now crisis club mm. I mean Barry, yep. Barry now have had their opening two games postponed due to lack of proof of financial viability and obviously Coventry are starting off having to play at St Andrews or whatever it's called now but the upshot is we were so close to uh, potentially being a crisis club because yeah. we couldn't you know meet our tax bill and look at us now well that that's the that's the crazy thing with football though isn't it that that we were we, we literally had less than no money couldn't couldn't even fulfill our liabilities to our to our creditors one one minute and you know you 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 walked out of the room and back in again and you've got a billionaire owner and and what fast forward in a few months and you're going ah do you know we'll just smash 26 million pound on mings we'll just smash 10 million quid here and Eight million pound on a thirty-three-year-old keeper. We're not the highest spending <laughs> team in the league, aren't we? In the world. Well, what we're doing is what is it? Klopp. What do you accuse Manchester City of? Fantasia land Love spending. It. Love it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So we are now in. We've gone from administration to Fantasia land in the space of uh, one year, which is pretty incredible stuff. We should have Fantasia land behind the lower halt. It would be. A- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the Fantasia music. Point number three. (laughs) Speaking of uh, music, a referee in uh, (laughs) refereeing a preseason friendly between Tiptree. Engain FC and Stanway Rovers reserves in a pre-season friendly. Forgot his whistle. <laughs> what a game. So had to what a game. And, and turned up with a harmonica. Chris, why didn't you get me tickets for this game? I've, I've, you know it's sold this out, is the Dave. F- this the- <laughs> Told you it was members only. <laughs> oh, I'm all right. I've got a season I ticket. Love, uh, but membership's but, not good enough for these pre-season but, games, Dave. You know this. I thought Tip Tree did a ballot for members. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, I mean, my theory is uh, I, I think the EFL have seen this. And because, the, obviously, pre- the Premier League are using VAR for the first time this season, you know, properly. Uh, and the, the EFL aren't. I think the EFL might start using harmonicas instead of VAR. It's kind of like, but, how, how can we make this a spectacle? Something in this. 
there's something in this that, that you know, harm, I think there's a couple of bits about this story I love. One, that he had a harmonica to hand. He's just playing the blues. <laughs> it's the best thing. But it's like, I, I, I was trying to think of a, a range of things that you could say, you know, who says you have to use a whistle? Why couldn't it be like a, you know, those things you get in a cracker at Christmas? A kazoo. A, a kazoo. <laughs> a kazoo. <laughs> or a trombone. <laughs> <laughs> just play the flute you can have gently. like sound effects for different decisions this is my penalty theme yeah <laughs> this has definitely got legs hasn't it right anyway let's get on uh, let's move on uh, before we go on I just want to give a big shout out to the heroes that are the My Old Man Said patrons big shout out and huge thanks to uh, Kane Cadman P Ward Nick Glover Jay Enrile who seems to uh, pop up every episode somehow Somebody's adding something. <laughs> this is the part of the show where I've already done. I've already done my uh, my sabotage. So you're late to the game, Chris, with the editing on the plan. <laughs> uh, this is the bit where I read. It's like going through a minefield because one of these or two of these names are made up, but I have no idea which ones. Tom Kirkman, Andrew McDonald, Sam Bagot, Arson. <laughs> I thought you'd like this one. Arsene Licker. Our Austrian listener. Obviously uh, doesn't exist. Harvey Farmer. Stefan Graberek. Is that a real one? I have no idea. I think that's a real one. Thank you, Stefan. Sorry that Sorry. he feels that he isn't. Stefan Graberek. Graberek is a great surname. That is a good name. Phil McCavity. <laughs> What's good? Phil McCavity. I don't. I don't. I didn't write that one. Is he real? Phil McCavity. If you're that's a real name, that's a great I didn't name. Write that one. <laughs> yes. The great excellent work because it would have been a capital C. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact you picked up on the capitalisation. Yeah. I can't possibly be right. Philip Shaw <laughs> and Brady Smithers. I'm ignoring the last name, which. Uh, Dan Rogers has obviously added. I think you need to thank Sucky Kunst. And uh, we already file this show as E <laughs> for explicit, and uh, we can't really say that last name because we'd have to put two E's on it or something. As I mentioned before, the Scott Hogan touch count is... Uh, we are still waiting for the Scott Hogan touch count meter to arrive back from Africa. So uh, that will be set up, hopefully, for the start of the new season uh, after the Spurs game. Right, before we start to talk about what we think uh, about Aston Villa in the summer, let's just... Uh, a couple of days ago, I went to London. There was a, a sponsor launch. Villa have joined uh, five other clubs that eToro uh, now sponsor. So they had a, a bunch of uh, ex-players, uh, Leicester, Steve Walsh, Mac Letizia, Southampton, Ledley King, Spurs, Leon Osman from uh, Everton, and that legend of all legends, Clinton Morrison Ugh. of Palace, and Mr. Ian Taylor of Aston Villa. So uh, uh, myself and Ian sat down for 10 minutes just to uh, get his thoughts on uh, the business uh, in the summer and expectations uh, going forward. So uh, let's play that now. Joining me is Mr. A big Aston Villa supporter, Ian Taylor, <laughs> ex-player as well. I feel like I should shake your hand. Even oh, go on, shake my hand. People can't see it. Shake my hand. But I mean, you've, you've been here at this event, uh, a Villa sponsor. I don't know if I should give them free publicity. But. <laughs> well, e-toro. E e but you've basically been speaking about uh, how Villa are shaping up, yeah. how the transfer window's going. I mean, luckily, we've Heaton and Marvellous have uh, been confirmed today. Yeah. So in, in terms of what we've got in, I mean, rather than the generic, what people have been saying about doing a Fulham and all this kind of rubbish, yeah. what do you think we needed to upgrade from last season to be a, a force in the Premier League? 
I think, I don't know whether it's a, a question of upgrading. I think, because um, obviously we've got players in the team and in the squad who have not played in the Premier League before, so we, we don't know how they'll do. Yeah. Um, but they are good players, obviously, because they've got us out of the Championship. Um, but a majority of our squad is gone, and we had to replace replace those players, which, you know, been a bit of a bugbear of mine when people are saying, oh, you've signed too many players and this, yeah, that, and yeah. the other, when we've, we had to replace the players that have gone. You know, well, I people think we've forget, got nine I mean, players that have gone, so we can't start the season with ten players, can we? And a third of the players we got in were actually at Villa anyway, mm. last season online. Yeah. In terms of, like, I mean, I've looked at Dean Smith and before, obviously, the miraculous ten-game run, I had this theory that maybe his way of playing is better suited to the Premier League because he's going to have better quality players to fulfil the way he wants to play. When yeah. he's at Warsaw and Brentford, he can only go so far, and that's why he probably finished eighth, ninth. Yeah. Do you think the team, especially at fullback, and this idea of having a pivot DM mm. like Marvelous or uh, Louise, will make it a bit more of a fluid, like possession-based team, and we can actually maintain? control uh, how we play and do you think the flanks and having a bit more pace at the flanks yeah, without, was a big feature without sort of being in danger of comparing the championship to the Premier League I think we pretty much showed last season that we could adapt to which whatever team we were playing and, yeah. and be able to play against those teams and get results I think the Premier League is a different kettle of fish because and for the only reason I think is because you get punished more because the strikers are better. Yeah. If you make mistakes, you get punished for them. So, I think, you know, like, like Wolves did last season, I think we can we can adapt. So I think, hopefully, the players that we've brought in can hit the ground running. I've got no idea who, what, you know, what the personnel is going to be to start with. I was, I was um, going to say. I mean, all have an idea, but I mean, I was going to say uh, the question was like, who Ming's probably start at centre-back, but who, oh, yeah, who sure. would you have next to him? I mean, uh, this is... Uh... Do you know, I don't... <laughs> I, I just don't know, um, because they all look like good players, but, you know, until you actually play in the Premier League and see how it goes, you, you cannot... I, I don't, I've not made a, a judgement on any player yeah. up to now, because you just do not know how they're going to do. So with that in mind, do you, do you think Smith will, let's say, take the middle three, will play Grealish McGinn and, let's say, Hurahan from the off rather than bedding in some of the new midfielders because they're the ones that have, haven't actually had any game time. It, well, that's, that's the thing. It's so difficult to say because Louise hasn't kicked a ball for us yet. Has he got his work permit yet? Do you know? Uh, I th- <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think we would have announced him if we hadn't. So I'm sure he has. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the manager. I, I don't know which way he's going to go. I think McGinn and Jack would be shoe-ins for me yeah. personally. But, um, you know, that other midfield position, if I was Conor Hurahan, I'd be very disappointed if I didn't play. But, um, you know, competition's part, part and parcel of, of football. So yeah. um, he's got to take that now as a, as a shot in the arm to sort of say, you know, I want to be in this team. And but we, we are in a position where we've pretty much got two players for every position. Like, genu- the legit, genuine competition. Yeah. It's not just like a backup yeah. chat. Who, in terms of uh, the signings, kind of raises your eyebrows the most in terms of that you think will be pivotal in terms of where Villa finish? I think obviously, have the biggest well, obviously Wesley, because you know to stay in the division you need to score goals. You need a centre forward that's going to 
score goals for you. And what, what do you think of him so far? Have you I think watched the pre-season? From what I've seen, yeah, I've watched the pre-season. I think he's been fantastic. I think he's uh, he's probably better at holding the ball up than Tammy was. Um, hopefully, he can have a, as good a goal-scoring record in the Premier League as Tammy did in the Championship. Um, for, for me, he doesn't have to do much but score goals. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the Douglas Luiz situation? This, I mean, obviously a lot of it's been sort of being a, a buyback, his buyback clause. So it's like a glorified yeah. loan. I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I think, I think anybody that Pep Guardiola wants to try and keep at a football club, I think, uh, you know, I think it's a massive coup for us to be honest. Yeah. Um, because obviously Pep Guardiola didn't really want to let him go, but I don't think Manchester City had a choice in the matter because of work permits, like you say. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully he can be a big, big player for us. Big, big player. And do you think the Grealish being the captain, do you think it's uh, the perfect scenario? It is for him, yeah. yeah but, being a Villa, being I mean, a Villa fan and... and some get, people like, you know, centre-backs or like leaders, but he seems to, I don't know, lead from example or...? Well, I think, I think a lot of people get Jack wrong. I think, um, from what I know, he is a leader. He is a leader in the dressing room. A lot of the lads look up to him, even though he's so young. And he, he is a voice in the dressing room, so uh, a lot of a lot of the general public don't really know what players are like. Yeah. They know that Jack himself is a leader in that dressing room, and I'm, there's a reason why Dean made him captain. So hopefully he can take that in, take that into the Premier League. And I know it's a dream of his to captain his football club yeah. in the Premier League. So hopefully I mean, he can grasp that with both. I hands. mean, from what I've been told, he rises to the occasion. the occasion. Like if you give him responsibility, he's he's good with that. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, one one final thing, uh, we've got uh, four goalkeepers. I mean, obviously, I, I would say Nylon and Kalinic. One of those will uh, well, at least one of them will go. I mean, did you think it was a important position? to upgrade, so to speak. I mean, a lot of people said, well, Jed Steer did nothing wrong and he yeah, it's was maybe responsible not, maybe not, to get uh, us up there. Maybe not an upgrade, but I think, you know, Tom Eaton speaks for himself. He's, a, he's an England international. Yeah. And he was Burnley's captain as yeah, well. Yeah, he's a, he's a big character. He knows the league. If you've got the chance to get an England international for, like, what, you, what was the price? Nine million? Or, yeah, about yeah, eight. Yeah. For nine million pounds. It's a snip for me. Yeah, we can we've, we can still get a good three four years out of him, and more, for nine million pounds. I think it's a great great sign. And what, just finally, where do you think we'll finish? Where do we think we'll finish? I think. Um, no, that's what I was told. I think um, I'd, I'd aim as high as possible. I'm, I'm not one of those who says we we need to stay in the division. Yeah, I'd aim as high as possible. Music to my ears. So people who say settle for seventeenth, it's like. Aim as high as you can. Thanks very much, Ian. No problem. I'll see you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, now we're back. So let's assess this summer transfer window and get the guys' opinions. I mean, people, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it makes you snore. We've discussed this many times on the show already, this doing the Fulham. But there's a new thing now, doing a Norwich, where you just don't spend any money. You just put it, keep it in the bank and earn massive interest. I think that's what uh, mm. they're doing. Um, they spent like, I think it's 1.1 million or something ridiculous. Yeah, but they've got loads mm. of players in. I think there's loads I think of loan. they're just backing their ability, aren't they? Going, Do you know yeah. what? We've, we've got some good players. Fuck it, let's just go for it and do it our way. But they've got like loads of loans in and, and various things without going into uh, too much detail. And I mean, they, I think when we say doing a Fulham, they did, uh, there was an interview, wasn't there, where the owner only references Fulham quite a lot. So they've obviously seen that as a, as a warning. But I, I think if Fulham backed themselves with the team or try to keep the team together that actually got them there, they were playing a style of football which I thought was good enough to keep them in that division. And maybe that's what Norwich are thinking. Thoughts, anybody? I mean, it's probably too early to tell because, you know, they could get, you know, within about two weeks after the transfer window and everyone look at them and go, oh shit, do you know what? They are a bit light. And then they're going to have to wait till January. But I think if, they, mm. if they're confident, I have a feeling with them that with the, because obviously they had a new ownership come in, didn't they? And then a new manager. And I just wonder if in the much sort of bigger picture and the longer narrative of the club, they're thinking we're actually way ahead of schedule here, just being in the division. So it might be that they're thinking we're in sort of, this is bonus time anyway. Let's just see how we do this year. And if this team can can keep us up, then we can start pushing on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think my angle would be that I was trying to see it through the prism of Villa, really, that, that our, our position coming up skews a lot of things. I think we came from, we lost a lot of players coming up, you know, those lone players who obviously transitioned away. Yeah, yeah. And that, that squad was always going to need major surgery, whether we stayed down or came up. It's exactly what Ian, Ian Taylor was saying. Yeah, and I think what, what um, we've done, I think the thing that we've done to our credit, which sort of skews it as well, is we've done our business very early. I think um, we've, we've often been a team who's come into the transfer market late and you can you tend to acquire players that either nobody wants or that are holding out for um, a particular deal that, that I think that, you know, you don't always get talent when that's the situation. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't blame Norwich's approach. I think um, I, I do think teams of, um, with all due respect, some of their size that they, you know, what what's their realistic aspiration? You know, um, probably to stay up. Is it worth bankrupting yourself? Because when they came down last time as well, they were seriously hampered by a wage bill issue, weren't they? So they had to hemorrhage players out. To their credit, they got back out of the division quickly. We can come straight up, Villa, and we can mm. still attract a certain level of player yeah. and we can we yeah. can say like you know ignore what's just happened going down to the championship we can hit the ground running essentially because a mm. we've got obviously these owners and they're serious and b you know we have the gravitas to attract players you know you just send them a picture of the european cup in the trophy room and all that kind of stuff norwich can't really do that no norwich probably have to i mean we had to pay over the odds for a lot of the players and norwich would have to mm. do the same so as you say they're suddenly uh handicapping themselves with all these big wages if if they do get relegated mm. in the context of the teams that 
gone up. You look at what Sheffield United, Sheffield United have just dropped 20 million on a, essentially what is a championship striker, Ollie McBurney. Yeah. And they've also dropped money and bought Callum Robinson. Now, if Filler had bought those two players as the solution for their forward line, they bought back Callum yeah. Robinson, the fans would be in uproar, wouldn't they? Yeah. They, they wouldn't. That's the deceptive thing to outsiders too. I think we've bought very well. You know, I think if you're a Villa fan and you look at most of those signings lined up, bar for one or two where we're taking, um, I think we're taking a punt based upon some decent scouting. Yeah. We've we've bought exactly where we need to buy and I don't think anyone would say, you know, look on where we've strengthened, you know, everywhere from doing our business early with the right back to bringing in Wesley, as, who's obviously a target man, to picking up shrewd ones like Yotta. It sort of makes sense when you one consider the lack of squad depth that we have, but actually where where we need to be putting in some quality too. Like for example, Manchester City had a season where they had a lot of players getting to like mm. thirty years old, and Pep yeah. you know had to drop a serious amount. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know like the two hundred million kind of mark. That's what mm. I think Klopp was aiming uh, his jibe at this kind of fantasia land of spending. But Villa, I mean, if we didn't go up, we would be in a position where we would still have to rebuild the way we did, yeah. but actually without any money and somehow yeah. have it, ha- have to uh, tackle the profit and sustainability. So it would have been a nightmare because we'd lost, you know, double-figure players. We wouldn't have got any of those loans back. And we'd have probably lost our main assets as well. You know, we wouldn't have been building our yeah. team. We'd yeah. have been yeah. piecing it back together from scratch. Yeah, you'd be asset stripped, yeah. McGinn would go... Grealish would have Grealish gone. Would have gone. It, it, we would be in a scary situation. Probably Jed Steer would be captain. No, Alan Hutton would be captain and we'd be, they'd be pouring the bronze for his statue as we speak. <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's get into the actual, we'll do it segment by segment. Uh, first one, the goalkeeper situation at Villa. I mean, hashtag pray for Jed Steer. We, <laughs> now, Tom Heaton, the Butland we always said was a bit of a red herring, especially 20 million plus. You, you yeah, could get better yeah. deals in that position. And we, we had a Norwegian international we had a croatian international really and we had jed steer who didn't really put a foot wrong so did we really need to make a punt on 20 million for a goalkeeper not no. we w- we wouldn't gain that much from it obviously tom heaton he's the guy we wanted in the january window and mm. we got kalinich instead and he's somebody that's obviously we've wanted for a, a while back i mean the history goes back mm. before smith are you happier with the goalkeeping situation now i mean obviously they must have lined one of nyland and kalinich to be shipped out i mean surely they must have mm. something up their sleeve because we can't go start the season with four goalkeepers that are obviously on decent wages because it's just dead money isn't it chris i think i'm I mean, i'm reasonably content i know we spoke about this in the in the, the previous sort of patron pod yeah. but i think Heaton was one of those ones we we spoke about previously about we do need a couple of what you'd call a banker in the squad and I think Heaton is a bit of that you know he's yeah he's, he, he probably doesn't have the wow factor that some supporters would like but in terms of a goalkeeper who you just take him straight out of the box and you know he'll do the job I think he mm. fits the mold of of where we're at kind of now you know I think you know if, if the owners are obviously very ambitious and want us to go through the gears as it were but for where this team is at right now as a newly promoted side I think it's a savvy bit of business. Yeah, I tell you what, he's got the respect of a lot of other clubs' fans. I mean, he's obviously given mm. some teams headaches. Uh, I mean, I've spoken to like Manchester United fans, Liverpool fans, and they've all complimented him and said, you know, that's that's a very decent buy. I mean, Bur- Burnley's um, win percentage with him in the team over when he wasn't in the team is scary, to be honest. I think their win yeah. percentage was about 40% with him in the team, 
without him it's about 15 because as well as keeping clean sheets he also uh, doubles up as a 20 goal striker as well <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of looking i mean the other thing is he, he was their captain for five years yeah. i think you yeah i know we've been down the road of inverted commas buying leaders and that that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't the most successful policy necessarily but this guy's got as you say he's got some he's got a decent um decent set of credentials to back up my only comment would be i think this is a this is a program of improvement and i think I, I I just reflected on it as a very simple thing. You've seen Bun go out the door, yeah, and you see Heaton come in, and it's it's like a number of the other other swaps in the in the squad for me. I think people bulking bulk at stuff like oh, eight million pound for a thirty three year old goalkeeper. Well, in, in the shape that modern footballers, particularly modern goalkeepers, in there's probably easily five years, not necessarily as a first choice, but as yeah. adequate cover. Because goalkeepers, it's, when you're thirty two, thirty three, that's when you're in your prime. Your prime, so. really. Yeah. So we've got him like three or four years. That's the initial contract, and there you go. And then he he probably uh, then turns into a number two. Exactly. So exactly. no problems whatsoever. I mean, we joked uh, on the last last podcast about Steer <laughs> waking up from his dream of uh, playing in a playoff final uh, to find himself in Charlton again. And there's nothing wrong with competition, though. For me, that this has been a club hampered yeah. by sentimentalism and frankly shoddy goalkeeping over the years. It lays the lays the gauntlet down, doesn't it? That yeah. I have to be careful what I'm saying because I'm due to go to Norway in November but Orion Nyland you know he's going to have his work cut out if he wants to hold on to that number one shirt squad number one is more than likely to be at another club mm. which brings me to what's in front of uh, Heaton Steer mm. et al and I think there's, there's two ways of looking at it obviously you need a solid defence here mm. but the other factor is the way that Smith wants to play and add to how the team controls possession and goes forward, Mm -hmm. they had to really do something at fullback. And, you know, you look at, for example, Manchester City, where fullbacks are priority there. I mean, that's that season where, you know, Pep Guardiola spent, was it like 100 million on two? Mm -hmm. But we need, Mm -hmm. we need fullbacks to get down the line, something a bit more pacier, the ones that break, break defensive lines can overlap and cause overloads and I think Frederick Gilbert looks like he's going to do that he's got some pace about him Target's got a good delivery and also is is pretty direct and looks to get down the flanks and then the only criticism about him has been a potential lack of pace but we'll you know see what happens but there's potential upgrades there the the only big question mark I would say is uh, who partners Mings at this stage Mm. And there's no obvious choice at the moment. You know, you're looking it's between probably Engels, Konza and uh, and Chester, or even Court- just Courtney Hawes come into the equation. But it's any one of about four players, really. And I, I genuinely don't know who I prefer. I have a feeling it might be Engels might start at Spurs on the opening day, but we shall see. It might be that he wants to rotate, or he might he might give people a chance and just see what. I mean, works. my theory was uh, while you're trying to get the the team to play a certain way and play out the back, and obviously there's going to be uh, a certain learning curve that you need other facets to uh, give you some kind of competitive edge. And I think the idea of having two six foot four centre backs at both ends of the pitch when it comes to set pieces will help us yeah. in the early stages yeah. so that's why I'd probably go with Engels just because if we can snatch a goal or two from set pieces like that then mm. that's going to help us and uh, fill in any deficiencies as we obviously develop our game going forward. We've got a bit of versatility as well you know a player like House has obviously can play across the centre half spots and also on the left. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about before about how some some players in the past have uh, risked becoming, I suppose, considered utility players. I do think that it gives us options to, you know, I suppose the modern game is you almost have to think about even the defences 
needing to be set up for certain horses for courses. You know, there's going to be certain games where you won't need two six-foot centre-halves. You might want to play a different game. The other thing I wonder as well with the amount of players we've got in and around that position is Will Smith opt or in-game or for certain games to, to go to three at the back. Yeah, that's what Chris you know, said um, in the uh, the, the bonus mm-hmm. podcast about that. And, and I, I didn't I didn't prescribe to that before, but the more you look at how, uh, how you're going to have to perhaps approach some Premier League games, um, particularly against opposition where you, you know, in that exclusive club of Manchester City's of this world, you, it, it's going to be a containment exercise as much as a counter-attack exercise. So uh, yeah, we're going to see a different... Smith's making different sounds that you'll have a go at these teams because I think, I think they'll see them as a free hit, won't they? Well, I agree, but I think at the same time, I don't think... I mean, I suppose the way I've been saying it on, on my site and on this podcast is that I can see us this season winning as many games 3-0 as we lose 3-0, but I don't want us to be getting spanked at the same time, and I can't imagine we'll want that. And that's what makes lends me to think that, you know, if we're particularly struggling in-game or we're going to be very conservative for whatever reason, that I think we could see us go three at the back. That's, that's just my thinking anyway. Could be wrong. The other option is, and this is something that's a bit of, uh, well, we haven't seen it yet because we've got, and I think for me to evolve this team in the Smiths uh, way that he wants to play, we had to upgrade the fullbacks mm. and make them more dynamic and for them to join in with the midfield to make it a bit of a bit more fluid. But also this the DMs, uh, which he's obviously bought two of, He's Marvellous well, Nakamba and Douglas Louise. Now, the problem is with these two guys, obviously, we've got them a bit later in the in the window. And they've had a lack of pre-season games. And if we're going to be playing out the back, they're going to be interchanging with the centre-backs. And they're going to be the pivot, the fulcrum, you know, whatever you want to call it, of the midfield. And there's going to be a bit of error here and there uh, as they get to know, you know, the wavelengths of their uh, fellow men. So will Dean Smith start with tried and tested even though it's not the best defensive midfield uh, you know for example starting with Conor Horahan and then have a look at these two guys obviously at Bodymore and then you know give them a few weeks before he uh, breaks them in properly and obviously chooses or uh, as you said when we play the big boys have they got two so they could play with two defensive midfielders mm. yeah exactly potentially yeah, that might be an option you know I think we've, we might have find ourselves with two or three yeah. quite fluid systems because Villa could very easily play like a 4-2-3, a more solid mm. three with one up front because if you've got sort of Grealish McGinn, they're going to yeah. give you energy anyway and then you can actually play Hurahan or a Trezeguet or whoever. Yeah. You know, they have loads of options as that third more attacking-minded midfielder but if you've got those two guys sitting in front of the back four, yeah. especially away from home, uh, do you not think that this could be a fascinating a a season for Horahan, actually, in, in how, given the players that have come in? He could bomb forward. He, he could actually come Well, this could be a division that works in very much in his favour because, as we, we observed well, in the season and a half or whatever that we've had him, that, you know, given time and given space, Horahan's, you know, probably technically very, very gifted. Um, that he didn't really enjoy the physicality of the game and could often, you know, that part of the game were passing by. And you wonder in the Premier League, um, you know, he always benefited for having a McGinn mopping up around him, didn't he? But with, you know, you think of this um, marvellous who's come in and, you know, the option to swap it in and around. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that I, I'd be interested to see whether Horahan can be freer just to focus on that more attacking part of his game. Yeah, because he's got end product, as we've always said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris, if you had to choose one DM, who would you go for at this stage? I mean, Oof. Intel is limited, but who would you go for? Mm. I would probably go with Hurahan just for now, just for the sheer, just for the reason of continuity, because I think we're going to have a hell of a lot of new guys in. If you, but in, in terms of if he's playing one DM 
and and he's choosing out of marvelous and uh, louise who would you go for marvelous isn't it wasn't it marvelous <laughs> thanks ron manager <laughs> Looking at Marvellous, I mean, what we know about Marvellous, uh, we, we said this on the uh, the bonus one, is, I mean, him and Wesley, I mean, Bruges won the, the Belgium uh, Jupiter League or whatever it's called. That's the obviously the beer sponsor. And I think Engels was in that team, but then he moved on. But uh, when they played that uh, Champions League group, they had Atletico Madrid, they had Dortmund in it, uh, Monaco as well. And you would be thinking Club Bruges, bottom of the table there. I mean, one thing they added in their favour was Thierry Henry was the manager of Monaco. And uh, so they so they actually <laughs> beat them 4-0 in Monaco. But Wesley and Marvellous... We're going to call him Marvellous. I mean, normally you, you call players by their surname, but Marvellous is just too good to uh, not say. But Marvellous was always in the team. And uh, okay, Monaco 4-0 in Monaco is, is one thing. And the big thing is, though, they drew 0-0 against Dortmund, I think away, and Atletico Madrid 0-0 at home. And that suggests that Marvellous is doing one hell of a job because both Dortmund mm. and Madrid are like, you know, top tier Champions League teams. They shut them out yeah. in their goal scoring teams. Yeah. It? Yeah. And he comes across a very confident guy, and even just in his interviews, yeah. he's you know he's clearly you now all these guys who are arriving, they're all coming to play. These aren't guys who yeah. you think, yeah, they're, they're, that's a group of squad players. Like when we've bought players before, you just think, yeah, they're here to make the numbers up. These guys aren't. I don't think. I think the promising thing for a couple of those names, I mean, marvelous, marvelous is one, and Luis, who we've picked up from Man City, as another is. Um, you step outside of the noise of the the uninformed, uh, as David would refer to them, the Twitterati, <laughs> uh, and you actually go to the reputable sources. You know your observers and your general commentators on football. They was definitely surprised that Villa got Luis yeah. as as they did. Yeah, I mean, um, Willem, marvelous... Willem Balak was raving about him, wasn't he? Well, astonished really, and I think unopposed. And I think that the suggestion was that Villa did their their homework there very quickly, and the picking up of marvelous is seen as a bit of a coup because. As, as David pointed out, that his his, his reputation and his stat base are, are very solid, like like Gil Bears is yeah. actually. Yeah. The, well, Liverpool were interested in Marvellous a few seasons ago, like genu- genuinely, and I think Arsenal uh, uh, a season ago. I mean, knowing that in there was an observation of, of a final one. Sorry to jump in, Chris. Was just that this feels a little bit like you know when we went money Moneyball a few seasons ago, and we we picked up a crop of players who needed to go through that development phase. A few of these names feel like they've been through that development phase at other clubs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Louis, and, but I mean, we say that, but we're generalising here because uh, Douglas Louise, uh, Louise excluded. I mean, he he played G- for Girona, who obviously got relegated. I mean, he's, he's mm. made a lot of subs appearances, but for example, his first season there, he played one. He started once mm. and made I think seventeen subs appearances, and then in the season last season when they did get relegated, he started sixteen times, mm. which suggests. It's not as like he's the main man, and uh, they can't believe the lucky stars that they've got. You know, got him off Manchester City because Manchester City can't get the work permit. It's like mm-hmm. he's a young player, and they're trying him out. And obviously, their probably needs are a bit desperate, and they're fighting relegation. So sometimes you go play the percentages, and obviously, Luis, you don't know if his heart's in it because he's uh, probably a bit pissed off that he's not at Manchester City when when <laughs> Pep's saying that he actually you know wants him. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, ultimately, he's at Aston Villa now. So it's the thing that you wonder with with a signing like that is that it, it can be a springboard for whatever player wants it to be in the modern game, isn't it? And that's yeah, yeah I agree with that. 
not not what fan not what fans or you know your average fan wants to hear, but I, I think that these players have the opportunity, kind of like like Grealish. Really, Grealish's stock has risen because he's actually started to demonstrate the, the you know the talent and the class and the ability that he's got. And this is another big season for someone like Grealish. And the same applies to a player like Luis, is that they come with very very high stock. People will will obviously focus in on the comments, uh, press conference comments that Guardiola made about him. <laughs> From our point of view, in amongst the mix of players that we bought in that position, we've got the luxury of not having to be wholly dependent upon him and actually it can be a bit of a sandbox. Yeah, because yeah. I think with a, with a player like him, I, I'd, I'd use the example of, say, like when West Ham went out and got Tevez and Mascherano. Wow. You, you potentially mm. only need one good season out of him. Yeah. You might only That's get true. that. You know, it's like if he turns up and you get one really good year and he doubles, trebles his value... Everyone goes, wow, a big team come in or Man City go, do you know what? We'll give you mm. X amount to have him back. But if he's done his job for one year, you go, what a player he was. And weren't, wasn't it great that we were, we were you know, yeah. able to be part of his journey mm. if he goes on yeah. to much as as a lot of these Brazilian guys do? Because they never, they never tend to stick around anywhere very long yeah, anyway. transient players. Yeah. I mean, he's the under-23 captain of Brazil, so uh, he'll fancy himself as well for, in terms of that, you know, career and uh, how he, however he sees uh, Villa, if it's a stepping stone or whatever. I mean, I've, I think the buyback clause shows you that it's probably Manchester City also thinking long term and having a bit of security there. Yeah, but but Barcelona had a buyback clause for Traore, and they didn't need to exercise it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for the positives. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly. I mean, this is this is the thing. But I'm, I'm it's a standard fare. I'm sure it? it's set that after the first year it's X amount. After the second year it's X amount. Yeah. It gets higher because obviously Villa would have invested more in the player and obviously developed him. So they'll want of the to- midfielders we've um of the midfielders we've gone out and bought. I would I look at someone like Trezeguet for was it eight million. Um, and you yeah, think, that's good business. In I my think, opinion. and he's been quite highly rated across Europe. His stats are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think he's the is he the third highest rated dribbler of the ball. He's only behind Messi. And yeah, but what what league was he playing in though? Sunday, Sunday, exactly. League. <laughs> the Turkish <laughs> Sunday League. But he's, he's clearly a highly rated player, and he's you know, a great player. It's, um, you know, a tech, another sort of you know North African, very gifted technical player. You're saying he's a highly rated player. I mean, everybody hypes players all the time. I mean, that's that's all the media does nowadays, and that's every time you, there's a transfer window, everybody rates players. But Trezeguet, I think we we mentioned it before, potentially could be a luxury player if he's. Uh, if his heart's not in it, and he might be on the outside. Like how Ghazi was at, at yeah. times last year. And he, he might be on the outside of games. I mean, he was playing in the Turkish league, was he not? And it could be a completely different uh, experience for him. And it, it may take him, uh, you know, two or three months to actually uh, develop. And Smith might not have him in straight away. I mean, there'll probably be a, an invasion mm. from Egypt if uh, if he's not starting <laughs> games regularly. Has significantly improved our Twitter followers, though. He's another one with millions of... Uh, and it is all about the engagement, millions. as we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing with wingers. It, for example, Balassi could do all kinds of crazy stuff, but could also go missing. Yeah, Balassi was a weird one because his stats in the very short time he was at Villa in terms of assists, goals and minutes were actually quite good. It was just that he disappeared very quickly. Yeah. He, he was like a... <laughs> a, a weird he, was, one. he was just a highlight reel, wasn't he? Every game he'd do something yeah, amazing yeah. and then he'd go missing for half an hour and then he'd make a it goal. Here's a and... question for you. Here's a question for you. Would we have got promoted if Balassi had stayed? That would have been really interesting though in that final to see Balassi up against Ashley Cole. Yeah. Because I think, would I have taken Balassi over Andre Green or Adoma? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think it probably would have worked out about the same. 
this leads to uh, other improvements on that team of last year is as well yeah. as the fullbacks improving the flanks i think we've actually got better wingers as well yeah 100 percent because i think algazi i think we discussed before algazi is only going to get better this year yeah but the proof's obviously in the pudding and we need consistency down the flanks and obviously we need mm. we need to see these guys tracking back as well cuz uh, there'll be a bit of back footing to to be done as well i think that that's going to apply all over the field the big thing you know going up a division is going to be that consistency in that even Grealish when he was in the premier league would have moments of brilliance and then go missing when he was younger and there's you're looking for those guys who are going to be, you know, sevens out of ten, eights out of ten every week. And at the moment, you look down the squad list, and you, it's kind of hard to work out who is going to be those players. Yeah, well, it's how quickly they gel as well. That that for all of me sticking to wingers just finally was that though though Adoma's attacking threat faded like cataclysmically, if you like, throughout the, the final season he was with us. You couldn't overlook the value in terms he had in, in covering the, the fullback. Yeah. It was just something that he, he provided. It wasn't what you wanted to see running onto the pitch when you thought, Christ, we need to win this game, really. But he brought cover. And I think that the, the other point is that that team worked very well as a unit. The, the one problem we've got going into this season is that is that any team faces that it's got a huge turnover is how do you gel so many new faces so quickly? And especially, was, as, as was pointed out earlier as well, that a few of them are arriving quite late into the... Um, overall mix that that's a genuine worry actually for me because I think all the other stuff seems right and normal and logical what um, I would say in terms of the signings though if, if you if you kind of go down the, the, the combinations of players we've bought is that if you go through all of those signs you know Yotta's obviously lived mm. in the area for what two or three years now I think yeah poor bastard Gilbert's had time to be over in Birmingham <laughs> um Pray, pray for you. Obviously, Ming's, obviously no, Ming's knows the area now. Al Ghazi's <laughs> probably reasonably settled and he's a you know a good English speaker. You've got the two Egyptians now who can help each other. You've got the two Brazilians who can help each other. So they've been quite savvy. Are you suggesting they've got these... there's a plan, Chris, at Aston Villa Football Club? There's a plan being <laughs> I think they've been quite executed. savvy with this. <laughs> don't dare say you're right. The one I'll that remind the, you of this one. <laughs> the one that worries me, to be honest, is, is Wesley. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the signing that I think, because it's it's the biggest risk, isn't it? If, you, if, you, if they don't get it, that it one is, right, yeah. they've spent a hell of a lot of money, but if if they don't get a striker who's scoring goals. Before we get on to the strikers, I just wanted to uh, just address one thing uh, from a theme that I'm seeing is uh, this talk of, oh, you know, I'll settle for 17th or, you know, next season. Which, which, which I didn't agree with. Ian Taylor didn't agree with. Obviously, you don't from what you've just said. Fuck no. And from everything that's <laughs> come out the uh, the mouth of Christian Purslow, when I've spoken to him, uh, this is people are pitching up at the wrong image of the club here because let's dig a little here we've got a midfield now before we bought anybody of like Lansbury Bjarnason Horahan McGinn Grealish and yet we've added uh, Marvellous and Louise you'd think maybe they'd add one of those but they obviously they've, they've got insurance if Louise isn't that hot or mm-hmm. whatever with Marvellous mm-hmm. <laughs> If Louise has a stormer of a season and then Manchester City said we'll have him back, they've obviously uh, prepared for Marvellous. So this seems to be a team that's been put together that there's two decent players in every position. And this is like, for example, if you two are the joint owners of Aston Villa and you've got shitloads of money, what are you doing with Aston Villa in the Premier League next season? Or what, what's your mm-hmm. aim? Are you just saying, oh, we'll, we'll survive? I don't think that's their ambition. Their ambition is we're going to go as high as we possibly can as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. 
unbelievable. You look at these guys in everything else that they do. I mean, was it you know, Sawiri's fortune went at 1.5 billion in the last three months? This is a guy who doesn't lose very often. Yeah. You know, these guys are ambitious. And I think even if he does lose, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really matter, does it? Here, but it's like these guys want to win. That's why they get Tom Heaton. That's why we've already got three keepers. You could other teams potentially go in with the three keepers we've got. I mean, I wouldn't personally. <laughs> and and the thing is with with. Wealth, wealth <laughs> as great as theirs, it buys you time to play a long game. Well, what people forget as well is, is even with your Manchester Cities, when they got in that incredible wealth from the uh, from the Abu Dhabi group, there, there was two or three seasons of, of of fiddling around to actually build. You have to build a base, yeah. don't you? Yeah. And, and they went out and bought a hell of a lot of crap, didn't they? As well. Well, they did. They went through a like Santa Cruz and all these players. Well, they had a messy, messy ownership, uh, tie ownership as well in between. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah. true. But um, I think the thing about Villa is that this seems to be like a, a different, or sorry, a, a, an attempt at consolidation with some intent. Yeah. I think is what I'm, I'm hearing you, you sort of yeah. explain. I guess um, that that would be the difference I would see between us and other teams, and um, not dissimilar to Wolves. Yeah. Really, um, I think I think if we're talking about immediate ambition, is we need to get ourselves consolidated in the division and above teams like Wolves in terms of competitive edge, you know, and competing for yeah. players. And then, as you say, it's up to the ambition now is no longer laid down by fans and uh, necessarily players. I don't think it's laid down in this division by wealth. And, yeah. you know, it's no surprise to me that since, like, you know, look at Chelsea, since Abramovich has basically been banned from the UK and all that shit's gone on, that they, they're, uh, you know, <laughs> no longer the big player. And the, who who is? Well, the, the wealthiest team in the league. It's, you know, that, that's how it goes. And if we can get to that top table of English football, they're already ahead of plan by, by the sheer fact that they managed yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that was, that was like a lucky stars thing. <laughs> they, they... I bet they can't believe their luck. I really bet they can't believe yeah. their luck. You know, because I think to get us out of division, you'd have probably had to have spent a hundred million pounds this in in this season, and then tried which, to have, which they couldn't well, have. Which done. you exactly, we'd have been we'd have been claiming that the the Villa dog production machine was worth <laughs> fifty million quid, and that's a whole lot of popping and, up out the ground, isn't it? You know, there'd like have been loads of pink phallus phallic. <laughs> Alice flying into the air and you'd, Chris would be leaping like I a I think salmon. you're losing listeners now. They, they don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> but what I'm, but the point I'm saying, <laughs> but the point is that, that we would have had to have, that they probably can't believe the position they're in, that actually they're, they're in the marketplace. We would have had to have sold our fans back to themselves. <laughs> yes. If that was possible. You'd have got to your seat and it would have... <laughs> It would have been gone. It would have been there'd have been a charge on it. But know. yeah, no. It, I mean, it doesn't even bear thinking about. No, it doesn't. It's almost like we need to go back to Wembley to celebrate it for another evening because we got so lucky to uh, <laughs> get out of that mire. <laughs> and it's and it's uh, it's <laughs> kind of true. day and night what this season would have been if we were lining up to play Luton and and Co. Well, you'd probably be feeling how Leeds United fans are feeling, that, and that's broadly irrelevant in the grand scheme. But no, of it's worse than that because Leeds are, are, you know, they're used to where they are. But we banked on everything to get up in those first couple of seasons. We did. We did. Third season, we were in, a, we're on the ropes, especially in the summer. Mm. Joe, I was thinking of an example that you gave before. You know that t- it, it, it was a, f- a few weeks ago, and uh, you gave the example of when you know when Tyson Fury got knocked yeah. out and then opened his eyes and sat yeah. up. I thought about that. I thought that was such a good analogy of Villa season that it, we were nowhere. We were. I. I still, and I'm sure all Villa fans think the same and talk about it, and will for years to come. How we got back into the Premier League this season will be. I think it's one of the. I stories mean, does it of- does it say how good we were for ten games, but also how 
average most of the league was, as we'd said all season. Mm. It still isn't a story that's given that exclamation mark, I don't think. Uh, no, I think it's lost on a lot of people. And we will uh, remind people of that uh, as we storm through this new league. Uh, but we've, we Absolutely. let's go back to the striker. Sorry, Chris, you were, we were talking about Wesley. And this is the only thing that I think everything else is complete. In terms of, I mean, it's obviously on paper. You've got to gel these mm. players that, you know, will they work? Will it, won't they work? Will they work in the Premier League, English football, et cetera, et cetera. On paper, we've had many good pre-seasons where it's looking good. And uh, then, you know, within a couple of weeks, fans have turned and uh, they know, you know, who's, who's a joker and uh, who's a phony. But in this, the only thing missing here is what happens if Wesley has a problem or if he takes time to uh, get mm. going. We're looking at the the, yeah. the people that we know. Ke- Keenan Davids, I, I think he should be one of our four strikers because he's he's learning and he, and he is a presence when he's on the pitch. He's got something. And he can play he? as Wesley does. So if Wesley in-game mm. is uh, injured or has to go off with a knock, then he can come on and, and still we can keep our, a similar shape. But Codger and Hogan last season, they didn't do anything. Premier League, you get punished if you're the caliber of striker is is high. If you make one mistake, you can get punished. But I don't see Hogan and Codger being the punishers when it comes to you know when the boots on the other foot. So I think that's our last play in this transfer window is another striker. And you know people have been you know no, rumoring yeah. and saying uh, that we're going to make a big move. I think if you're going to make a move, it does have to be a big move because well for the reasons you just said around the other two strikers, it's pointless going into the market and getting someone who's marginally better or similar to a yeah. Codger. Uh, for me, and it's I know we joke about it all the time, but it's not a slight on the man that I I, I can't see how how Scott Hogan's going to be of any any use to us in the Premier League. What's I, I just don't see that. We've been proactive in the transfer market, and now mm-hmm. we're in the end game of the shakeup. The part of the uh, transfer window is basically deadline day or the final shakeup, where obviously. There's been some big spends uh, in the last couple of, you know, Arsenal have gone big, Manchester United have gone big. That creates money for other teams to buy players and, you know, things happen. So I think that might be our final play is getting another striker because something might shake up. I think to, to push on for where the club either, you know, wants to be this season and then further ahead, because they're clearly planning sort of in the medium term as well with these signings. Mm. You have to have that spine of your team. You know, we've gone and got an experienced goalkeeper. That's great. We've got Mings, who is in theory, the spine of your defence. He's yep. going to have to build a partnership, but he's that bit of the spine. You've got your Grealish and probably a defensive midfielder and McGinn, who are like your spine in the middle of the park. But I just look at the top of the field and think, well, is Wesley the main man? He could well be. You know, We could be talking in a few weeks' time going, wow, what a player we've got on our hands, but we just don't know. You're saying that we could actually be investing a bit of hope in, in him being that, coming to the forefront and being the main man. Yeah, in you know, in recent memory, you look at Tammy Abraham. He was that, mm. you know, the linchpin, and he was very single much, figure, really. Yeah, yeah. he was the, you know, the the genuine leading line, and the, and the fact that you, know, you get to what is it, twenty six goals we got out of him in the end. It's like, do do mm. I expect Wesley to end the season with twenty six goals? No, is my honest. In summation, if Villa are going to get one more player, then I think it's going to be a, a statement maker, and it, and yeah, I think it's going to be so. a striker because we've got a squad now. And obviously, uh, we don't really know the full capabilities of this team. I mean, if anybody, uh, you can live in hope and say, oh, yeah, it'll all click and we'll blow teams away and do a Wolves. But the reality is, uh, you know, football doesn't kind of work like that all the time. And Wolves pretty much had a nucleus of a team anyway. But I think, you know, we're having doubts now talking about is there enough up top? So that suggests that I would say the club know that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen, you know, Doyle Hayes, Hepburn Murphy, um, Andre Green obviously go out on loan. I'd expect to see at least two or three more go out 
from the first team squad, of which someone like Bjarnason might be one of your more senior ones to leave, unless Smith yeah. wants the numbers and says, Do you know what, give me till January, see if you can force your way in and we'll see where you are, which I think a few players might do. They might stick around and say, mm. Do you know what, I want my chance to be a Premier League player. I think midfielders will go if they can shift them because we've got Aaron Tishbola, we've got Bjarnason, Lansbury. I mean, these are players that are. I mean, Smith likes Lansbury though. Yeah, Lansbury, I think, has a chance in the squad because Smith seems to like him, but there's no way Tish Bowler's getting in the squad. There's no way... Not a chance. He wasn't getting in the squad last year. There's no he? way Bjarnason's going to even get on the bench, I don't think, and I quite like Bjarnason no. as a as an impact no. sub, but that's about it. And I think if you if you can use these guys as leverage in other deals for players, I think it's, worth, it's a worthwhile exercise. I think I, I wanted Lansbury to come good, and I, I just wonder with all the players that have just been mentioned that we never saw the best of them or managed to get the best out of them. No. You know, Tish Bowler's as far away as, as possible from the team, obviously. They'll be moved yeah. on. I can't see them featuring. But yeah. Right, well, we'll find out more when we obviously go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or the new White Hart Lane or the Space Age Stadium or whatever you want to call it. Cheese Bowl. Cheese Bowl. I was just about to bring the, the uh, show uh, to a climax in terms of our predictions. Uh, and we're not going to go across mm. the board. We'll just say Villa, Premier League champions and bottom three. Well, let's start with the champions first. Mm. Liverpool are desperate. They're desperate. And they've mm. validated themselves by winning the Champions League again. So, And mm. they won the league more than anything because obviously the rivalry of Manchester mm. United so they're probably the hungriest Manchester City I mean to do it three times would be amazing so is that drive to do it three times more so than the, the drive of Liverpool who are desperate to win it and Spurs have probably got a bit of self-affirmation from getting to the uh, the you know the Champions League final and they may believe that they've obviously been close a few times now and we're in a season where Chelsea will be weak Manchester United are still faffing around. Arsenal, not the finished article, I wouldn't I wouldn't venture. So Spurs will consider themselves top three and they want to kick on from that. And they know they can, you know, mix it with the big boys because they're they got they got in a Champions League final. So that's going to give them a boost as well. So Manchester City, I think that they'll have two threats this time. It, it really boils down to will Spurs get over getting hammered by Villa in the first game of the season? And then, you know, after that, good luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> But who would you go for the champions? I think Klopp's going to do it. I'm going Liverpool. I'm going Liverpool. Well, you, uh, do you know what? I think it's. I don't disagree with much of what you just said, but I think it's it's the opposite with the Premier League for for Liverpool with as with the Champions League. They, they seem to be able to win the Champions League in cycles. The Premier League's eluded them yeah. forever, hasn't it? The, uh, and I think that the, the, there's the one constant. The last is, time they won is, it, we is, came is, second. Yes. Yes, you're right. I just think that Man City are a different beast and I think they're an absolute machine. I, I wonder whether Guardiola goes in cycles as well, whether this this could be just another big push until he tries to absolutely do really win those all those top competitions in one season and then bow out as he seems yeah. to at clubs. Well, you know what they want? They want the Champions League, so... That that may be their yep. focus next season more so than the league, and it, it may be a be. distraction. Be. Um, but my, yeah, my prediction would be would be Man City. Chris, do you know what I'm going to go with Dan? I, I I think City might do it again. I think it. I think they're going to go toe to toe again. Yeah, so, could be close. Yeah, I think because yeah. they'll be desperate for that Champions League. That might be a distraction. I, I'm I'm still hoping in my lifetime they'll never win it though. It's it's strange with City, isn't it? Because the the higher echelons of the club clearly want to. They need to validate them being one of the big boys. Mm. Um, by winning it but the fans seem completely apathetic about it which I don't get mm. well, yeah but one thing is because Liverpool have won it at will 
like six times, it's mm. Manchester United don't chirp up too much about it because they know that's Liverpool's strong, strong ground. So you can't yeah. really, yeah. we obviously yeah. celebrate it because not every team's won it, have they? And it's one thing that we have over some of the top six teams. But I think after Liverpool, Villa probably celebrate the European Cup the most, I would say, than Manchester United. Because Manchester United can't say it too loudly because Liverpool will just shout them down. Liverpool fans, I mean, uh, it's a good thing about Liverpool fans. You can have good chats about Europe because they, they consider you uh, somebody who yeah, yeah. You, who they can talk to. And they also remind you that a scouser lifted the uh, European Cup for Villa. They do, yeah. They do. So they, they almost class that as six and a half times they've won the European Cup. <laughs> Christ, they don't have that on the bloody badge. <laughs> Anyway, so anyway, let's go to uh, Villa. Where where do you think they'll finish? And don't say I'll settle for seventeenth now. <laughs> don't say that. John, I think we'll end up. I think we'll end up about seventh or eighth. And my my rationale for that will be: I think that we. I'd be disappointed if we didn't get the measure when I was looking at the bottom seven or eight teams that seem to churn around. Uh, you know, bottom three or four, particularly yeah. four for me last season. But if we can't get above those teams with the investment that we've got and then battling that middle third of the league, if you like, or to, to come top of that second league, uh, I'd like to see what will happen there, but I'm predicting that. Call yeah. it Ooh, positivity. Wow. I am, I might not give, do I have to give one specific number or can I give a range? <laughs> Who the hell are you? One number. <laughs> First, First to 20th. 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd I'd love to say top ten, but I just can't quite see it. I think we'll be anywhere between eleventh and fourteenth. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say twelfth. And I think that would be and that would be considered a good season, I think. That is somebody who's hedging his bets, uh, and he's and he's and he's pandering to an audience because he doesn't want to be (laughs) want to be seen as too negative, yet doesn't want to be seen as reckless. Well, I'm going for (laughs) twentieth. Because you're recklessly uh, negative, fuck. <laughs> I, I merely jest. I'm thinking 12's a good stab, but start of the season, I'm always gun-ho, I've got to admit. I'm always looking for the league title. And then the bleak midwinter kicks in. That's a bit, that's a bit confident. No, no, but oh. I, when, I, when I start the season, I, I will go to the first game of the season by hook or crook. Because that is the prime time to see a league game, is the first game. Mm. When you're un diluted with terror and fear so uh I'll, I'll go ninth wow yes i think top 10 would be considered a very very good season but doable when you look at the league that's yeah. what i think yeah yeah that's now let's talk I mean. about the bottom three uh, this is where it gets interesting mm. i've already made my mind up i'm thinking brighton really? are gonna yep. be struggling yep they're in my three are we going in order just give me three. I, I don't. Just, just any three. I'm going to say. Is he say... going to go for it? Is he going to go for it? Is what I'm saying. There's one team I have in my mind. Whether yep. I, myself, you, I am or going Dan will go with, with it. Burnley, Ooh. Brighton, Ooh. and Newcastle. Yes, he said it. Newcastle. <laughs> oh, Newcastle, the bloody northern swamp dwelling. It'll be sub on the time they mark are. three. I can't wait for Steve Bruce at Villa Park having giant inflatable penises. Whiz past his big old potato head. Sorry, uh, what did you just say? You said be? Brighton, and that's uh, that's that's Brighton, Burnley, and Newcastle. I think I think uh, Sean Dyche's looks going to run out this year. But he's got he's got Ashley Westwood. Okay. About? I'm, I'm going to throw a really controversial one, and I've just decided just to just for fun. Go on. Then. I'm going to throw. I'm going to go. I I genuinely do think Newcastle will be relegated in hilarious fashion. And I'm, we'll be preparing the bed sheets, hopefully from late October, in preparation for that. I think the second team that will go uh, will be Sheffield United. Oh. 
And I think the third team, after a cataclysmic loss of form, loss of their manager, will be Wolves. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Europe's going to cripple them. I think Sheffield United's a good shout, actually, Dan. I probably should have thrown them in, really. I think Newcastle, it's all serious. I think Newcastle Newcastle and Sheffield United, I think they're going to go. I don't think Sheffield United will have enough. But I think for, call it a wild card, someone always goes into the mix that's a bit random. I would find it rather amusing. Going for the dog heads. It, I, I, I'm really interested with <laughs> them to see how prepared they are if they get into that group phase of Europe has, um, because it's going to their season's cripple. already begun am I yeah. right in yeah, saying yeah, they played yeah. their first game a week ago yeah. that was I mean a different competition albeit it was Intertoto or something it's like that it's the qualifying round crippling, isn't it crippling horrible oh, we early had a huge game. squad at that year, you know in that point in fact, Ginola was in that squad. And we played, I remember Basel, we went out to somewhere we? like Czech Republic and we lost to a, a comp- a, basically a team that was the, was assembled from the local jam factory. <laughs> Marima Pilgrim, look it up, everyone. Because didn't we play them in the second leg at uh, the Hawthorns? Yeah. Yes, we did. Schmeichel's debut. Peter Schmeichel's debut. And there was, I remember, was we, a, beat, I remember, we, beat, uh, remember we beat Basel as well, didn't we? Yeah, I remember that. I think that was the, <laughs> the final when we won club. the uh, Intertoto. was the final. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even fucking made I up. I like it's jam. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, the, the uh, Sheffield United, uh, as we as we mentioned earlier on, if it's just the Callum Callum Robertson, I thought he's, he's decent championship. But to make that one of you, but he was a record crazy. once he initially. Really, and McBurney there yeah. was the the record isn't he? They dropped twenty million yeah. on him as well. I like Wilder. I yeah, because I thought Wilder, if he made one or two uh, shrewd purchases. He'll have them as a unit, and I like Wilder, and I thought they might do it. But mm. but you, the only way they stay up, I think, uh, is if three teams, I mean, obviously, but if three teams self-combust, mm. can mm. only see uh, Newcastle potentially doing that. Brighton. Specialist. Brighton are kind of, uh, they realise, I think they're going into a relegation battle from the off. Yeah. People are saying Southampton will rise, but. I don't see that. They've got a good manager. Yeah. They've got a good manager. Who do you guys think would be your sort of surprise package? You know, there's always that team. I'll name my three. I mean, I can tell you the three I want to go down. That'll do. (laughs) West Ham, (laughs) Newcastle. (laughs) I'd like Brighton to stay up, to be honest, just for the away day. Mm Mm-hmm. Wolves, I think. Oh, Manchester United, that would be even more fun, but probably not realistic. I'd, li- I'd like a real shockwave mm. relegation. I mean, I still think we're the biggest team to go down in recent times. In the, let's, say, let's say the yeah, us, us and Newcastle, the definitely. Premier League history. Uh, but yeah, but Newcastle have been up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, you kind of get over yeah. it. But in I terms mean, we're of- this, I think we're, we've got the second longest run in the top yeah. division in British football, haven't we? Us and Everton. But yeah, I, I would say Bruce, Bruce is going to struggle, I think. So I think Newcastle, I think Brighton, unfortunately, are going to have a bit of a rough period. Yeah. And probably Sheffield United, I think, haven't got the quality at the end of the day. Well, all of us haven't, haven't even mentioned Norwich, so we're, we're giving them a pass for another season in the Premier well, League. To be honest with you, I, th- I think mm. they'll be down there. Oh yeah, no. Oh but yeah, then I think they'll yeah, be. I, do I mean, you could, you could, I could probably name any one of about seven or eight teams who I think are going to be down there. Yeah, it's mm. a case of which three of those eight or nine teams are the worst. Wolves are going to go down howling. <laughs> to be honest, when 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 Wolves <laughs> went up. 
you knew they were going to be all right in the next yeah, season. They were so yeah. Premier League ready. They had yeah. a, a different class. I mean, they did, and they bought yeah. so. Well I mean, obviously they, they didn't have that yeah. class when they yeah. came to Villa Park. But uh, the interesting thing about Wolves, though, their goal difference was plus one last season over thirty-eight games. It was strange with them because they they put in shifts against some of the really yeah. big teams. I think they took like mm-hmm. City, United, Liverpool. They took their scalp, but then they'd lose to like. Brighton and Cardiff yeah. and Huddersfield at home and you thought it's a bit weird yeah. I suppose it's getting up for games uh, you could say on a men- mental side I think side. as well when um, this, this, the FA Cup semi-final says a lot for me yeah, yeah, their manager. yeah. and you're, I think Dan's mm-hmm. right in, in terms of if a big job became available you'd have to say Nuno is he's going to be there or thereabouts for some yeah. of those big jobs because he's done he'll it. have his head turned when Bruce is sacked <laughs> a bit Newcastle and they'll be down in 19th and 20th the do- the dogheads and the the northern dogheads <laughs> so if if there's an exclusive from this podcast it's the the wolves doghead prophecy so what uh, watch out for that <laughs> right thank you very much for listening please do uh, obviously uh, follow us on all platforms or whatever platform you listen to be it, be it apple spotify podcast addict castbox etc etc uh please do buy a podcast t-shirt to support the show as well join the facebook group the mad few and also uh best of all become a patron because you will get access to bonus podcast shows and advanced sneaks and news etc uh, also i'd like to quickly thank the uh, patrons who up their pledge uh this month uh well last month should i say uh, craig whitehouse bounds david mike cooper jonas kohler Andrew Reed and Harvey Farmer. Go to the Myoman said website, myomansaid.com, and check out patron links to see how you can become a patron too. Right then, gents, thanks for uh, being on the show as always. And until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.